You are listening to Down Home. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. This is a quote from Harriet Tubman, an activist who escaped slavery and helped many African Americans escape the freedom through the Underground Railroad. One of those stops along the way was Leslieville. Leslieville is a neighborhood in the east end of Toronto, and it's also the neighborhood in which I live and work. I've been here for the past 24 years. I've seen a lot of changes over that time and have heard rumblings about the community, but I, I didn't really know anything about the black history that existed here. And through some of the research that I did, I found a few articles touching upon the black history that happened in Leslieville. But I also stumbled upon a name. The name was Joanne Doucette. Joanne Doucette is a local historian who has made it her lifelong passion to unearth some of these things about her past, about her line of lineage, and also some of the black history that she discovered along the way. So join Derek and I as we have a conversation with Joanne Doucette as she talks about some of the black history that happened in Leslieville. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience by two black men. I am Derek Wise. And as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening, everybody? Awesome. And our conversation this week is with local Toronto historian, Joanne Doucette. Joanne, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm doing well. Awesome. That's great. Now, for the, the benefit of our, our listeners, our podcast listeners, listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I have um, really deep Nova Scotia roots. Uh, my father is from Inganish, and uh, we're of uh, mixed uh, Acadian, Mi'kmaq, and English heritage on my father's side. And uh, I was always interested in his stories, because uh, there's a difference between history and his stories. <laughs> and I was intrigued by as a child by the stories he told about down home. And of course, we're a huge extended family, very much a uh, uh, Cape Breton uh, family. And uh, But there was clear that, that he was a displaced person. Mm -hmm. And he, he was, he had a lot of pain and a lot of anger. Okay. And uh, I became aware of this when I was very, very young. And I was determined when I grew up that I would find out more about his stories. Mm -hmm. uh, because other people just shrugged them off as just, you know, BS or whatever. And, uh, but there was a depth of pain there that, that even a five-year-old could see. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that, that pain was rooted in racism mm -hmm. and, and being on the receiving end of racism and being literally a displaced person having lost 
the land over and over and over again. And uh, so that's a short answer or a long answer to the question, but uh, that's where I start from. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've become very skilled over the years. I ha I'm not a I'm not an academic. Uh, we had no money. I mean, I grew up in a house with no running water and no heat, and uh, wasn't always clear, you know, whether the meat on the table was was uh, woodland cow. In other words, deer out of season, yes, or, yeah. or, or, or bunnies that had been snared, mm -hmm. whatever they could put on the table. I grew up in Ontario. I was born here. My father married a Protestant, and in those days, that was just not done. And he had to leave uh, Cape Breton, basically. So uh, I did get a degree in history, uh, but I couldn't go any further because I just didn't have the money. And, uh, and I've been researching those stories ever since. And it's it made me very skilled. Mm -hmm. We're talking about over 50, over 50 years of digging. Yeah. Long before there was the internet. Yeah. And it meant going to a library or many libraries and going through old documents. Mm -hmm. I became very, very aware of the different kinds of people that were on the receiving end of racism. And, uh, my father didn't had didn't hesitate to tell me stories about uh, Sydney and, uh, and and the black community and how they mm -hmm. encountered racism. He knew. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long. It's it's I guess parallel to how it used to be in the southern states. And I'm old enough that I remember seeing the march on Montgomery on television, mm -hmm. where if you had the most distant ancestor who was black, you were black in mm. that community. Right. Didn't matter anything else. And that meant you were, you know, everything that they showed on the television with the bull whips and the fire hoses. And my father and mother encouraged us to watch, watch that and talk about it and be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, when my father was a boy in, in, in Inganesh, they used to sing a song in the schoolyard, Chickasee, Chickasaw, Grandpa Doucette married a squaw. Chickasee, oh. Chickasaw. And it didn't end there. There's more to it, but I can never remember it because it's mm -hmm. so painful. Right. Uh, I just, I just, that's all I can remember. I can look it up and see the rest of what he, he told me. But so I started to dig and I uncovered the history of my own family and the connections to the Mi'kmaq community. And it's a careful line to walk because you are not Mi'kmaq. I am not Mi'kmaq. I am a wonderful mix of things, but I am not Mi'kmaq. But I am connected. I am family. Yeah. And I am, I'm related and I know and I am in close contact with my relatives on the reserve at Eskasoni. Mm -hmm. Lots of do set there. Yeah. And we 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 know we're related. We have the same stories, but we also look alike. Yeah. There's there's not there's no there's no question. Now the DNA says the same thing, but you know it's you don't want to take somebody else's story. Yeah. You have to be care careful because we there's such a history of needy greedy white people 
and you don't want to step into that. You don't want to take what is not yours to take. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take anything because these people have had so much taken. My my Mi'kmaq relatives have had everything taken. We had a lot taken too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Our land was expropriated for the Cape Breton Highlands National Park, uh, and uh, but the displacement goes way, way, way back before that. And I don't want to get too much into that unless you want me to. Uh, but what it made me very, very highly tuned to the nuances around racism, and and it it as a child it puzzled me. Yeah, it mm-hmm. puzzled me and puzzled me. Why were we picked on in school so much? Why were we beaten up? Why was our faces pushed in the snow and and our our snow shoved up our, our coats? Uh, why were we the bottom of the pecking order? Yeah. And how did people even know? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but they did. Yeah. And uh, and and we wanted to be proud of who we were. We wanted mm-hmm. to have, and that that was not easy. It was mm-hmm. very difficult because uh, I grew up in a small village in, in rural Ontario where our street was the people with um, mixed blood. Our next door neighbors were were uh, uh, Anishinaabe, which is uh, uh, also Chippewa, if you mm-hmm. want to say, but also uh, uh, poor, very mm-hmm. poor, and and uh, so it was a to try and find myself in that, and to try and find the history. In his stories, and I was able to confirm the stories. The, the essence is that our family has been traveling and living in Cape Breton for thousands of years. Yeah. And in 1745, the New England forces uh, attacked uh, Louisburg, and part of them came up to Inganish and raided there. And the family story is that that my family and and uh, I think five other families. Uh, were uh, had had a infectious disease. It was probably um, um, typhus mm-hmm. spread by the troops at Louisburg. Uh, but anyway, it was it was something that the tradition was that if you got uh, ill, you went into the center of Cape Breton where it's all bog, as you know, and uh, you went up a trail called the Indian Rising, which is still there. And my family were coming back down from the Indian Rising, and they could see out into the harbor, and they could see smoke rising from the village, and the first time they'd seen uh, ships flying the British flags there. So the men went through the woods. This is stories passed down by my great aunt Susan, who was 105 or so when she died in 1939. Whoa. And uh, they could see that um, in the village there, there was no people, not even dogs in the street. What had happened was that the the, uh, the 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 white people were shipped off either uh, back to France or to camps in, in Britain, and the people, all the people who were mixed or who were native, were put in the church. And according to the story, the church was burned down with the people inside of it. Oh man! Mm-hmm. So my family survived by escaping back up through the woods, mm-hmm. canoeing over to Prince Edward Island and up the Miramichi, and portaging over to Quebec. So, the, you know, that kind of history 
it's 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 the history of oppression in a very and genocide in a very direct way. Mm-hmm. Something that the black community is more than familiar with, mm-hmm. more than more than familiar with. And uh, so when I started doing the history. I always want to know what's around where I'm living. Why is there a dip in a road there? Why does that house look that way? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why? Yeah. Because it's inbred in me. We're storytellers. Mm-hmm. So I, when I started to do the history of um, of Leslieville, I started with the very basics because there was no uh, there's no secondary sources. So one of the things is I went to the the censuses. So the 1851 census, the 1861 census, and so on. And I started to see this pattern. I, I expected to see all, all Irish and Scots, mm-hmm. except I started to see in the 1871 uh, American Methodist Episcopalian or Baptist. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1861, it was more direct. It said uh, Negro or mulatto. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I started, I actually added, counted it all up, the families. And I realized that a quarter of the population in this village, uh, which is now a suburb of Toronto, was black. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. nobody had said that. I, nobody knew that. Yeah. Our history, black History Society didn't know it. Yeah. So where did these people come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were very much aware of uh, like displaced communities. Like growing up in Halifax ourselves, me and Jay. We're aware yeah. of like histories of displaced people, of course, and one of the one of the most notable one being Africville, of course. Yes. But um so why do you think like this history of Leslieville here in Toronto has been so forgotten? Because I, I had no idea. Like I think Jay ran across it when he was walking down the street and saw the plaque. Yeah. Uh that was dedicated to the the uh the uh, black immigrants that came up here from the states. Why? So why do you think this history has been so put aside? Well, one of the phenomenons that I think certainly happened in Ontario, and I suspect happened in Nova Scotia as well, is that um, in the mid nineteenth century, after the passing of the Fugitive uh, Slave Law, there was a certain amount of, of sympathy among the broader community, the Euro-Canadian community, uh, for for black refugees from slavery. Uh, There might not have been a lot of sympathy for the people who were already here who were black, Mm -hmm. uh, but there was a certain amount of sympathy and uh, acknowledgement and and even um, encouragement Mm -hmm. uh, among some. And so... As the as the 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 population changed, as more and more immigrants came from Britain and Scotland and Ireland, it became actually more racist over time. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get to 1900, it was intensely racist and mm-hmm. openly so. Mm-hmm. Um, just just the newspapers are full of it. You don't have to. It's just, it's so evident. There's nothing polite about that racism. It's right out there. Mm. Whereas if you look at the newspapers from the 1850s, it's very different. You would not see the, the, that terminology. And uh, and uh, yes, they used the word Negro, uh, which you know we wouldn't use today, but it wasn't a term of uh, insult. Mm. But they would never have used the N word. Yeah. 
Yeah, the yeah the term Negro is, is literally a descriptor. It derives from the Spanish word black. So that's, that's right. it's very different. Yeah. 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 It's like maybe it comes from medium or middle or mixed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So um, I think that the, the descendants, and I have done many family trees for the descendants of those people who are living here. It's been such an honor. Some I can trace back to the West Indies. Some I can trace back to Nova Scotia. Some I can trace back all the way to the wall of slavery in mm -hmm. the South. And sometimes even break that wall. Mm -hmm. and that's a, a huge, huge accomplishment. It's most, it's, it's as, it's as difficult as doing Mi'kmaq genealogy because mm -hmm. there are no records. It's, it's yeah. just so. I think that the 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 descendants wanted to pass, generally speaking, mm -hmm. and they could. And not all. Some were mm -hmm. very, very adamant that that they were part of that community and they were proud of it mm -hmm. uh but the racism was so intense uh and it was i think uh, verging on intentional mm -hmm. to bury that history mm -hmm. among the wider community they were um they despised it um and, and that's very clear. Mm -hmm. um, then there was a sea change in this neighborhood in the 1920s. And you got a whole different black community moving in and intermarrying. And there were the black porters coming mm -hmm. up on the railways. So mm -hmm. I'm right near a railway track. I'm less mm -hmm. than five minutes walk from the old Grand Trunk railway line. Mm -hmm. So you had a line of porters living along the streets here. Right. And they formed. Um, the Negro Progressive Society Association and fought for black rights in the 1920s and 30s. I even found the personnel records of a black porter blowing around in the streets because somebody didn't give them to me. Wow. So, uh, and over just a couple of streets on Redwood Avenue is um, uh, the home of Luella Price, whose husband was a porter uh, on the railway, and they founded the first. Uh, Black Women's Association, I think in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, in her house. Mm -hmm. And it was, I couldn't figure out what these women had in common first when I was looking through the, the records. And then I realized that their husbands were all railway reporters. Mm -hmm. So because they're Anglican, they're Baptist, they're Methodist, Episcopal, uh, they're young, they're old. Uh, you know, it, it, so it's it, it just, a, it's an astonishing history. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's a privilege. I just I got all these records and I turned them over to anybody in the black community who wants them. Mm -hmm. And the, the black the Ontario Black History Society has all my records. I mean the original stuff. Yeah, cool. you know, um, because my interpretation is one thing. I want to hand whatever I have over to the people it belongs to. Right, right. I don't right. want to tell those stories for other people. Mm -hmm. I want to give people. The stuff so that they can they can take off, and that's what happened. That's yeah. what's happened. Yeah. Uh, I started a project to have a laneway named after Luella Price, mm -hmm. and I turned it over to two uh, activists in the black community, all the research, mm -hmm. and that's just because that's the right thing to do. And also, mm -hmm. we come, as you know, we come from a sharing tradition. Yes, and also just that intense. Um, uh, 
My father said the truth was the most important thing. You've got to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, historians, the professionals, the, the uh, I was going to say the guys who are in academia, they said history isn't about telling the truth. The, the, it's about historiography. It's about this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not my story. I what I do is about trying to find the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And there are many truths, but when it gets down to what happened, the basic thing of what happened on this day, then to this person, what was done. Mm-hmm. You know, at the first um, murder of a young black man on by by racists that I can find in in Ontario history happened right here in Leslieville. Really? Uh, they a young black man was. Passing through a, a, a bush, a woodlot, where a gang of, of thugs hung out, and they robbed him and beat him to death. And the, uh, the, uh, the the excuse they gave in court was that he was making eyes at a white woman. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Beat- that's that's was- a it's a history that we don't actually hear a lot of. No. Right. No. And and, well, I, and some of those lynchings that did happen in those times were often uh, said that they were making eyes at usually a female, even Emmett Till, who was like 14 at the time. That was the excuse of what happened was, to him, you know? He was 17. Yeah. Mm, he was a okay. good kid, a yeah. good church-going kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's not even a stone on his tomb. Right. He's just unmarked grave. Yeah, really. And it, it's, uh, I'm sorry, it's a heartbreaker. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't realize that so many porters uh, made their way to Leslieville, but it does make sense. I live in Leslieville now, and I live re- actually right in front of a, a train track. So that must have Where been. Where do you live? Uh, Which street? Uh, just uh, McGee Street. Okay. Right yeah, 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 yeah. The go train often goes behind. Now, uh, so I guess this was sort of a, a a neighborhood of industry. I guess was it or it was. Yeah. Um, the center of the the night the eighteen fifty one black community was at Logan and Queen, mm-hmm. where that plaque is, and that plaque is on the site of the home of uh, the Sewell family, and it was Isaac Sewell who was beaten to death. Okay. Yeah, and I was wondering what what it was like in that time, uh, being like that. Like, what were the other blacks like as far as business goes? Where did they have business that were thriving? Did they have some economic status that you know sometimes blacks didn't have at those particular times? Do you know what it was like back then? I have a, a, some sense of it because you had um, a number of people after the passage of the the Fugitive Slave Law a number of uh, free people of color came north. Okay. And, and they came with skills, and they came often as businessmen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Lewis Street, for example, is named after Henry Lewis, who had a hotel there. Okay. And he was an ice, he ran an ice business as well. He was a real entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his granddaughter was the first black cow, cowboy, cowgirl. In Canada, I've got a photograph on her horse with it rearing up in the air because she moved out to Alberta. But um, so you had a uh, uh, hotels, you had ice businesses, you had people who were running general stores, uh, and then you had a whole lot of people who were quite poor, 
Mm. Now, the Sewells were farmers. There were the others that were market gardeners and farmers. A lot of people cut ice in the winter, which was the most miserable job in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, people worked in the brickyards, usually in the lowest jobs. Uh, again, miserable, miserable work. Mm-hmm. Uh, barbers, you know, that, that was a trade. It's like in Toronto now, um, you know, um, all the fruit stores used to be Italian. Well, all mm-hmm. the barbers used to be black, except there was a lot of, there was a color line there too. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, so yeah, so you had a, a, a the sort of the the people who are doing the, the really gritty, horrible work. Mm-hmm. The men, the jobs that would have shortened their lives to, you know, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And women working as maids and domestics. Yeah. And yes. then you had the, the 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 husbands and wives of the the middle class, and you had even the the uh, the deputy mayor of Toronto. His um, his granddaughter got married over in a house on Greenwood Avenue, mm-hmm. just a couple of blocks from me, because this became with the railway porters, the 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 nucleus moved north. Right. But um, so. My God, what a history! Yeah, it and seems very stories. rich. Yeah, yeah, very, what very rich. Stories. Yeah, you know the 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 Don Valley. Some of the first uh, people to live in the Don Valley were uh, free black people of color in the early, the first decades of the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a of course, that was there was still slavery here then. Yeah, yeah there was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and some of the biggest families in Toronto were slave owners mm-hmm. and brutal slave owners. Yeah. In, Even, in your sorry, yeah. in your um, in your research, because there's always been this link between the Atlantic provinces and Toronto, right? Like uh, because there were. You know, poor economic uh, situations in the Atlantic provinces. A lot of people would come to Toronto, like Cape Breton, Newfoundland, but mm-hmm. that extended to the Black community as well. Absolutely. In, in your research, did you find any, any evidence of early, like I mean, like around 1790, 1800? Was there any record of uh, like the Black loyalists coming up to uh, no. Toronto? No, really. I found no record of that. Okay. Um, but the population of Toronto was very sparse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, in 1805, well, you had about 300 people here. Right. Oh, well, yeah. So to have people living in the Don Valley at that time who were black, three people, I have no idea where they came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I don't think they came from the States. Um, who, who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there were also pe- black people involved in the fur trade. Mm. Which ran up these valleys yeah. with the voyageurs. Yeah. It goes that far back, which yeah. goes back, you know, a couple of hundred years before Simcoe arrived here, the lieutenant governor who established York, which later became Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it would not surprise me one bit if that family had connections to the fur trade. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's a, a whole history part of Black history that's also not uh, realized. Yeah. You know, uh, mm. black history is a very rich thing, isn't it? 
it yeah, is. It's it's it it's, is. it's something that um, it's something that you really have to search for, though. It's not something that you. There are courses, of course, in post secondary, but yeah. um, if you're talking about school age children in high school, there is not a lot of education centered around Black history. Yeah, which is which is disappointing because. You know, that's just another part of being displaced, not knowing your culture and where it came from and started from. Now, with, with that being said, you know, unearthing some of these histories that you have, the black history of Leslieville, which I will mention, I only found three articles when I sort of stumbled across across the plaque. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd heard rumblings. I've been in this area for a while. I'd heard rumblings of the black community. But even in my search, I didn't go as deep as you, of course, but uh, I only saw a few uh, articles. And that's how I found your name. But um, unearthing this history for yourself, how does this sort of make you feel about your sort of identity in these current current days and times well it has been one of the greatest gifts that my family could have given me was the curiosity mm -hmm. and the awareness that there were stories that were lost yes. not just lost buried mm -hmm. so it's been a great gift and a great privilege and i'm like 70 and i've had some real bad health issues the last while I fell two years ago and broke my back, and last oh, year I fell and fractured my skull. Oh my goodness! And so I'm aware that I'm I'm I might leave this earthly orb uh, in a very concrete way that you wouldn't be aware when you're 20. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud and so glad that I was able to unearth stories and find the original documentation and help people connect with themselves, not tell their stories for them, but mm -hmm. give them the, the basics. Uh, and, 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 you know, people who don't even do, doing family trees for people, mm -hmm. which I never charge for, you know, not, mm -hmm. I don't do them for everybody. Mm -hmm. If somebody says, my 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 grandmother came or my great grandfather came and i want to know i'll do it because yeah. i have the skills and it, it, you know it, it's such a privilege it's a it's an immense privilege i feel really good about myself if i kick off tomorrow uh i i die happy you know because mm -hmm. i've mm -hmm. done something i've done something valuable i've done something that would make my ancestors proud yeah. and and uh and I've discovered my own story. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of my last name anymore. Mm. You know, I'm not ashamed that I have old lady Indian eyes, as somebody said. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Well, what a what an amazing conversation. Uh, uh, Joanne, this has been a, an honor meeting you. Uh before we wrap up, do you have anything else to add to our conversation? No, I'm just really glad you found me. And I know that you, when you walk past Lewis Street, um, you should email me because I'll send you the picture of of uh, Henry Lewis and his granddaughter on her horse. Okay. And that's the whole Black history out in Calgary, which you, yeah. you can dig that up too, right. right? Yeah, would you mind? We we would like like that photo. We'll make it a part of this uh so if interview. you don't you have my email address yeah, we do and i yeah. can i can email stuff to you 
Okay. And I mean, we could even meet and I could hand you in a USB key with a whole lot of stuff that I'm not about to email because it's too damn much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot. There's, um, and I think that one of the stories that, that needs to be told is the story of the black sailors on the Great Lakes. Because the reason Leslieville became a, a, a stop point on the Underground Railroad was because the guys who worked the lake boats, the crews were black. Oh. And they smuggled with or without the captain's knowledge. Okay. You got up the Freedom Trail, the Underground Railway, such as it was. Most people just walked, didn't have any help on the way except their own two feet. Mm-hmm. When you got to the south shore of Lake Ontario, what are you going to do? Yeah. One guy tried to swim it with a garden gate. <laughs> a steamer with a black crew wow. picked him up in the middle and brought him to Toronto. Wow. But so they would, the ships would come across the lake with with the uh, with the refugees from slavery, and they would drop them off at the south uh, shore of Ashbridge's Bay on, on the sandbank because the, the the slave catchers couldn't follow across the Ashbridge's Bay because it was a mass of shifting sands. Mm-hmm. And you had to know that bay like the Iceman did. Mm-hmm. You had to know it mm-hmm. or you're not going to get across it. Mm-hmm. So it was a safe place at the end of the, the route. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I leave it there. I mean, I wish that I I just wish people would take this up, mm-hmm. take it up, because we can change the world. We can change the world. We don't have to put up the stuff that our great grandparents and our grandparents and our fathers and mothers put up with. Mm-hmm. And yours more than mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, at mm-hmm. least I don't want to pass, but I could. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody in my family wants to pass. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. those are awesome words. Thank you very much. Yes, That's, this is great. A very good conversation. Uh, Jay Jones, take us out. Yes, thank you, Joanne. Um, thanks for being honest, and you know, thanks for sharing your expertise, and thanks for keeping up that that uh, sort of thing of our togetherness how we always helped each other in our communities here and in nova scotia um there's a huge history between indigenous people of canada and the blacks who came up from you know through through the underground railroad and uh you know we all just wanted to make our roots and be seen and for those reasons sometimes those things didn't happen and you know both our cultures suffered from that but uh, it's important that we know these stories and like you say uh it it teaches the generations to come how to make changes but learning from our past so thank you for sharing i really appreciate your time yes thanks again You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
on a high plateau from the one down below to the future of the funk getting lost in the flow contact with the spot mckex now it's time to flex with the force from the soul reaching all aspects getting deep no time to sleep as you reach your next phase laying it all on the line new trail stop the blaze it's a fire inside a brand new path breaking down the sum to one feeling free i just laugh with the joy the song breaking new ground from the breakdown like magic prescribed only to see the perfect blend like a diamond in the rough ready to drop a perfect gem it's time to shine so fine to see what you find revelation